podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off, I'm your host Guy Drinkle and in this show we're going to be doing Liverpool's victory over Spurs which was 2-1 and I've said it in the last few games, again a tight fought victory for Liverpool, perhaps it shouldn't have been a tight fought victory but we'll get into that in the pod. Um, so my Liverpool fan joining me is AI writer and I think pod debutant is Stephen Beaumont I bottled that name, I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, Adam, how are you doing, Stephen? Good, thank you. Beaumont Adam, you were close. Uh, mate, you're getting caught. You're lucky I got <laughs> Stephen, right? Ugh. <laughs> 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 oh. And uh, our Spurs fan joining us, you've heard him on the EPL roundtable and probably like every another podcast done by Dave Hendrick, is <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kev DeVries. How are you doing, Kev? Uh, not so great on the football side, but life overall treating me fairly well. I'm very glad to be joining you. Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, we'll get we'll get the boring stuff out of the way, and we'll start with the starting 11s. And Kev, I'll start with you, cause probably a bit more debate on yours. I mean, you saw a pretty, a, quite a few changes to be fair in your team. But what what were your thoughts on the starting 11? Um, well, this year, um, Pochettino's had to mess with our formations a whole lot to deal with who's been missing who's back who's fit when um so it's really been a lot of shifting like when this was released uh, a lot of spurs fans were questioning what the formation was going to be if this was kind of going to be more like a 3-4-3 and i was going to be in the back or if it was going to be the 4-4-2 diamond that it looked on paper and it kind of started acting like um for stretches um i think tactically it, it in theory wasn't a horrible choice um trying to dominate the midfield um, maybe try to narrow things a bit, obviously because of the the strength of your wide players. Um, <laughs> that just ended up not working, but we can talk <laughs> about that later. But at the time that the 11s were announced, it kind of felt like just about the best 11 we had available because Lamella, Sun, and Wanyama are all coming back from different things. Obviously, two of them coming back from injury. Sun just coming back from Korea duty on both fronts, both the Asia Games and the actual international break. Um, so they're both they, they were both coming back from, or all three of them were. were not really ready to be involved. Obviously, Deli Ali and Hugo Lloris both missing. So, Davinson Sanchez maybe has a case for he should have been in what is ideally our 11 best players. Mm. Um, but, but on the whole, it just felt like we were shifting formation again to fit who was available. So, I don't, I don't think there were too many qualms, but there was a lot of confusion as to what it would actually look like during the match. Yeah, because you did, you did seem to be switching formation quite regularly, or especially Eric Dye, he seemed to be moving about quite a bit throughout the game but we'll, we'll focus on him in a bit because I imagine there's a bit of uh, concern about him that's probably putting it politely <laughs> but uh, we'll go to the, we'll go to the Liverpool next time Stephen um, we brought Cater back in for Henderson after the after the Leicester game where the midfield struggled a bit but were you happy with the 11? It's pretty much what I expected to see I know a lot of fans are hoping for Benio to start but I think it'll be a few more weeks till we see him mm. Starting the game. Um, Milner's been incredible. 
uh, Cy Brundage tweeted earlier something like 12.8 kilometres covered in the game. It's pretty mad for what a 32 year old. Uh, and the, yeah, the back four picks itself now, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. It's been a while since we've said that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is great. So, and I have to admit, when I saw the Spurs lined up and I saw a midfield of Winks and Dembele and Dyer, it made me smile. I was like, that's a, that's <laughs> going to suit us today. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But uh, I'll stick with you then, Stephen, for the for the opening pretty much minute of the game, and and you see us. Well, I I celebrated. I'm sure you did as well. Um, but a, a disallowed goal, and it was uh, rightfully dis- disallowed, obviously. But um, we we were hoping that it was going to be one of those days. I mean, I don't want to bring up bad memories, but under the the Suarez days where we demolished Spurs a few times and Arsenal in similar circumstances. Were you thinking it was going to be another good day like that? Yeah, definitely. It showed like the right intent from the beginning. I think we're starting to see the Firmino from last season. We recognise it. Even though it didn't count, he was so involved in that goal. Just his movement beforehand. Then obviously the slight finish that if Mane had stayed on side would have been a lovely start to the game. But I think it set the tone of how he was going to perform today and he had a brilliant game in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely he did. He absolutely did. And um, Kev, were you, were you fearing the worst when, when that happened? I know it was disallowed, but it, it could have spiralled out of control considering the start. Yeah, it was uh, very concerning, and especially coming through Mane, who is, uh, as I'm sure you guys will recall, have had a, a fair amount of success <laughs> against Tottenham in the past, specifically that like Ben Davis match like two and a half years oh, ago, God, maybe yeah. that was now. Um, and everybody saw how problematic that was going to be, and then it was exactly that problematic. Um, so seeing him get off to the start like that uh, was a, a little uh, PTSD triggering, but um, obviously ends up uh, just being offside. But yeah, it was it was very uh, heart and throat moment there in the very opening stages. And um, Kev, I'll stick with you. And we brought up the midfield a couple times, and I know you're feeling a bit ranty. <laughs> um, but I've put I've put in the agenda Eric Dyer. What does he actually do nowadays? Um, I know that that season a few years ago where you finished third was it, and Eric Dyer was a big part of it, and then Wanyama kind of came yeah. was better. But what is Eric Dyer nowadays? Because even when I watch him for England, he just seems to be very bad in midfield. Is is he one of those players who's caught between like three positions and doesn't know what to actually do? Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously his first season with us, he he played at center back and did fairly well. Um, then in his second season, Poch moved him to midfield. I actually saw the very first match he played in midfield because uh, he debuted in that position in the MLS All-Star game that was out in Colorado that year. And we thought it was a mistake, much like we were talking about earlier with the team sheet, where you're like, where is he meant to be? <laughs> um, uh, and so over the last year and a half, he's been serviceable at least as a defensive midfielder. Obviously, Wanyama preferred one fit, but he's been struggling with that. Um, what Dyer, in theory, provides is defensive cover and decent passing out to the wings because his long balls are surprisingly good for a player that's supposed to already be playing in midfield. As a center back, that's a trait you love, being able to spray from the back as you're experiencing um, with uh, your goalkeeper now. Um but that that's what he typically provided. But now that he's already playing further up the pitch, he's not good in tight areas. He's not good at short passing. So if you hassle him, he gets troubled. And the issue with that pairing with Dembele is that Dembele wants to invite people closer because then he can beat them. So now you have everybody collapsing on the two of them 
Dembele needs to get out of space, but Dyer isn't really helping in that regard. And now he's not really helping defensively either. I'm not really sure why, but he isn't really protecting much. He eventually in the match, as you mentioned, he drifted around. He ended up really more in the back line. Um, but right now he is not offering much for us. And, and it is very troubling because you'd think a former center back at the bare minimum would be shielding the back line, preventing chances through the middle, which obviously didn't happen on the day. So if he's not providing that and he isn't passing well, then he needs to be removed. And I think one of the reasons why there's such a lust for Wanyama to be included is he at least does that. He is probably the best destroyer in defensive midfield in the Premier League. Mm. Is he limited to that? Yes. I mean, he, he is very kind of one-trick pony in that <laughs> regard. But he's so good at it that it allows a player like Dembele to get forward a bit more. It allows our front three to stay forward, which is another thing that we've seen develop at Liverpool here over the last couple of years. Um, so that's what Wanyama brings that Dyer currently does not. But it is very frustrating watching him struggle week in and week out. And that's why he was dropped against Watford. <laughs> then we played... Dembele is an isolation player in central midfield, which is something we did to great effect against you in the win last year, but it was Winks instead. But Winks can pass. That's the point of, of Harry Winks, is that he can distribute. Dembele can't do that. So the pairing of D- Dyer and Dembele in a system where we were supposed to be passing through your midfield, that's why we overloaded it. The fact that two of those players aren't capable of picking out even simple passes is obviously problematic. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Winks there as well. I'm not sure how old he actually is. He seems to have been around a few years without actually playing that much. I know he's been injured a few times, but do you, do you think he is the answer in that? I know Wanyama's back, but he seems to be out of favour, or is it just the injuries with him? But with Winks, do you think he's the answer to the question mark in midfield? I think he struggled in this one because he was just back in, yeah. having to figure out how to play in a three, which we don't typically do. So admittedly, he was not on his on his best at the weekend, but I do think he's a big part of the solution. Do I think that Pochettino needs to quit mentioning names like Xavi and Iniesta the one referencing him? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yes, he's the passing midfielder that we literally have not had since Luka Modric. Like, I'm not saying he's at that level, but just even that player ID. Like, we do not have another player in central midfield that can pass like that. We talked over the summer about whether or not we should move Ericsson further back in the formation so that somebody could actually pass between the defense and the attack. Um, so in terms of player role. Yes, Harry Winks is the answer. He obviously had huge performances against you guys last year. He was huge against Real Madrid. He was big um, uh, in the group stages against Dortmund as well. So we've seen it from him, and we've seen it from him against some of the biggest uh, members of opposition, but I think he exclusively works either solo or next to Wanyama, who can cover all the mm. defensive duties. No, that's fair, that's fair enough. And I'll, I'll go to Steven for a bit, and then I'll come back to... Um... Dembele, because I think he's a bit more of an interesting one. But Stephen, um, our, our midfield, it, it's looking, it's looking good. In, in well, two thirds of it looked really good yesterday. Um, to be fair, and do you want to, do you want to start with Milner? I mean, I've, I've put down he's not human. I mean, he was might have been an extra yeah. in the Terminator or something like that. Um, but I mean, I think he's thirty-one or thirty-two now, and he is really getting better. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, he's in something like his 16th season as a professional footballer and a first-team player. That's that's mad. And he's still pulling out 12K-plus games. And I thought he was superb yesterday, and I wasn't a fan when we signed him. I wasn't a fan Same. under Rodgers. I didn't understand him at left-back. But then after Christmas last year, the way Klopp used him seemed to get the best out of him and seems to have sort of transformed how he's playing his game. I mean, he's accepted now he's got no pace, but he can whip a ball in. He can make a pass. He 
he, he's making those runs from centre mid out wide, and even though he doesn't have the pace, he's still pulling players out of position. And that ball he puts in for the goal that doesn't count, it's an absolutely cracking ball. And he cuts it onto his left foot, which people sometimes forget Millie can do. And he's just given us balance. I think, like, once Fabinho's fit because he's got the pace, the power, he can pass, he can play, you know, he can whip a ball and he, he was a fullback. I think he'll replace Milner. But I just think Milner's given us a really good balance for where we are at the moment. I think that's also really helped Ginny. I mean, like, as Dan Kennett said, who would have thought the guy was a, a 10 or a wide forward? Last year was an eight. This year is excelling as a six. Like that game against City was his first time playing and starting there. And he's just got better and better week in, week out. And every time Henderson comes on and drops into that position, I want to ram my head against the wall repeatedly. <laughs> um, to, that, to that effect, when you brought Henderson on and we were still down two goals, I was like, we might just have a chance. <laughs> oh, God, imagine was, every pod turned into an Andy Henderson thing. <laughs> there was a great statistic that we haven't conceded a goal with Henderson off the pitch. Oh. I'm gonna yes. get I'm gonna get the agenda index thing <laughs> labelled out as a oh dear. But not, I like I like I like Hendel. I liked him as a box to box player. I don't particularly like the position he's playing for us now and how he's playing, that's all. To be fair, and, I'm the same. But he did he didn't really do much yeah. when he came on, that's the thing. Um but with with Ginny then, um he's obviously as you said, he, he's pretty much going to be goalkeeper in a couple of years if, if the current trend keeps up um, do you think number 6 is, is, is his preferred position now you mentioned Fabinho there who was obviously a, a defensive midfielder at, at Monaco but do you, do you think him and Ginny can work or do you think Ginny's going to go back to the 8 what, what do you think the long term strategy is with, with, with the midfield cost as you said Ginny is pretty much excellent this season apart from uh, the last game I think we'll see a lot of it at six, and I think playing as the deepest line midfielder really suits him. I don't think he's playing as a defensive midfielder. I think he's press resistant, uh, similar to Dembele. He is great in transition, so he gets the ball moving really, really quickly, and he can get up the field when he needs to. I think the, I think the space that's created for him will suit him. And then if this, if Klopp decides to play him as a six, and he's got, you know. Fabino in front of him, who is a box-to-box midfielder or a defensive midfielder, he's not as good as Wanyama, but he has those traits of being physical, fast. He can pick a pass out. He gives you a lot. Cater, okay, he's still settling to the team. He's doing okay. He's been a bit quiet, but we've all we've all seen him play for RBL. We all know that he can be a, a serious talent. So playing as the deepest player, where you've got midfielders in front of you who are going to protect you, you've got a centre-back pairing in Van Dijk and Gomez, who aren't going to just, you know, fall over and give the opposition a goal. I think he can really do a good job there. I think he's enjoying it. He's playing with a smile on his face. And he's scored an away goal. What else can you ask for? <laughs> yeah, his, his first away goal in the Premier League since, well, since he's bloody joined. God, that's staggering. Absolutely staggering. But Kev, I'll, I'll come back to you with the, with the Dembele conundrum really i know there was rumors that he was mm-hmm. he was leaving in the in the summer yeah and some people saying that he's pretty much broken goods but what, what what's your take on it because in this game he did seem to to struggle with the physicality i thought Ginny dealt with him quite well especially a player like dembele who is just a tank um but what what are your what's your take on do you think he's on on the downer or do you think he's still vital to your team um it can be both and it yeah. is both 
um, if he's feeling good and the pressure can be relieved or if his hip isn't bothering him, because he's been dealing with the same hip injury for four or five years now. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons he wanted to leave, like literally in an interview, because you know how like whenever any Belgian goes back to the national camp, they have to blurt out like five quotes about themselves. Even Mignolet um, does it for us. It's five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive uh, how loose they are with, with the media there. But um he he mentioned that the reason why he wanted to leave had nothing to do with Tottenham. It's just he felt like he needed to move to a less physical league as he got older um, to deal with his hip injury. And, you know, he referenced, you know, life after football. And he doesn't want to have to struggle with things. Obviously, he can't get his move to China or Italy. Um, so he is, quote unquote, stuck here. Um, it, it is It is a bit of a conundrum because here you have a player who you mentioned is a tank. His name is a physical presence that is currently at times struggling with physicality. Um, which is definitely a problem for us. The fact that he can carry the ball between lines at times can be just as important as a different player passing between lines. That's why he was so effective. Um, when, when we were all frustrated that he was the Modric replacement, we all wanted somebody that could pick a pass the way Modric could. Um, but it, it's artful in his own way. But, um, the fact that he is, his whole game is modeled on his strength and agility. The fact that both are suffering is, concerning long-term, and that's one of the reasons why he wanted out, and one of the reasons we were looking so hard for a replacement, but neither end up happening, and so uh, now we still need to play him. He's still, at this point, probably a better player on the whole uh, than Harry Winks. Um, we saw against Manchester United, he still did fairly well against them, uh, but he tends to, uh, even post-Pogba. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's both things. He is still important to us, but he is clearly on the decline. I was really surprised of how many times we targeted him in the game and how many times we picked the ball up his feet. You know, he's been such a press-resistant player for years, and though yeah. he can be inconsistent, when the cameras are on, he normally plays at his best, especially against us. So just to see him repeatedly had the ball taken off him, I mean, for me it was quite enjoyable, but it was a surprise. Yeah, it was, it was a weird one. Um, I mean... If if there was one player I thought we'd press from from the uh, Tottenham midfield, it would be Eric Dyer, but he he yeah. just he just decided to play. He just through. gave it to you anyway. Yeah, he just played three balls to Salah, <laughs> uh, which was great. But um, we'll, we'll finish up on the midfield, and I'll, I'll finish with you, Stephen, on Kater. I know you mentioned him in the bit before, but do you think he's still learning defensively what to do? Because you see you see Milner and Trent, they seem to have a good um, relationship. I know Milner used to play with uh, on the left side with Robbo a bit more, but do you think Kate is still learning the defensive side of our midfield? Because uh, Ericsson did seem to find a lot of space throughout the game um, running off the back of Naby Keita. I think he's just adapting to the team and the yeah. style of play. It's Okay, people do compare the Bundesliga and they do compare the... Like, you know, by, Leipzig did play a pressing game, but Klopp seems to be playing an evolution of even how we played last year. It just, the midfield feels more and more efficient than it has done for a long time. And he's just adapting, I think. You know, if you watched in the game, him and Milner switched left and right a couple of times. And I don't know if that was tactical from Klopp because he was struggling or because he felt that he could expose Winks and Dyer at times, depending on where he wanted to put Milner. But he, he's also getting into the box. And if Mane had released the ball to him, mm. maybe maybe a second earlier, he's got a much wider angle at the goal and he's got time to shoot rather than lashing a left foot shot at the keeper from a tight angle. I think once he gets that first goal, he settles down, he'll be fine. I mean, I quite enjoyed watching him arguing with the ref about silly things like throw-ins, you know. <laughs> I think 
we all know he likes a bit of shithousery and it will come as long as he doesn't bring the red cards with him. But I think we need to be patient with him. And I think Liverpool fans are always too quick to jump on people's price tags and instant performances. And not everybody can do what Suarez did and jump straight into the team. So I think I think he's doing okay. I think there's a lot to come from him. I think when he's playing alongside Fabinho in that team as well, not that Miller's done anything wrong, it's just he's got another player who can get up the pitch as quickly as him. I think he'll enjoy that. I think we've now got a midfield with enough rotation that it was a surprise, but not when he was dropped last week and benched. I think he mm. needed it. I think I think sitting and watching a game probably did him good. But but he has been quiet and it'll take a few more weeks. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And I think, as you said, um, attacking-wise, there was a couple instances where he, he may have messed up a through ball or, or somewhat, but as you said, he, he got in the box quite a fair bit. And as if Mane wasn't caught in two minds, let's say, uh, either Salah or Kate would have had a better chance to score. And I think it, it's definitely it's definitely coming. Um, and I think he'll he'll prove yeah. to be a, he'll be he'll prove to be a, an excellent signer. But uh, we'll move on from the midfield because we did spend a bit of time on that. And uh, Kev, I'll, I'll come with you on this one because it seemed to be a bit more of a problem um, for Tottenham rather than Liverpool. Is is the use of fullbacks? And I know both both the teams like, like need the fullbacks to provide width for the team and stuff like that. But you used your Pochettino seemed to set it up in such a way that it just left Alderweireld and Vertonghen so isolated to, with uh, with Salah and Mane especially. But but do you, two things. Do you think Poch was wrong in that regard? And do you think it's his mistake? Or do you think it's the actual player's mistake to just bomb on? Because I know you, you mentioned the Davies game before. But uh, who, who's, whose mistake do you think it was? The, the player or the manager system? Um, it's interesting uh, because it seems like the way we designed our game plan was actually to bring play narrow because even when Salah and Mane were getting forward they were mm. trying to obviously be inside and this is something that we saw from us last year there were a couple of matches where we tried this thing where um, at the time it was Aurier where Aurier and Davis wouldn't close down their men out wide they would just basically stand on the lines of the box because they were like well you have to come in here at some point anyway mm. um, and so you would think funneling players towards two of the best center backs in the league would be a good idea so the fact that Trippier um, and Rose were bombing forward, I don't think was a tactical issue. I, I think that's what we wanted to do, and we trusted that Jan and Toby could deal with it, and then they couldn't. So uh, is, in terms of, like, was it a mistake or not, it certainly didn't go our way. The fact that, well, Worm actually had a pretty solid day, except for the two goals that he should have kept out, and then he <laughs> kept some out that he shouldn't have kept out. It was a very strange day for him. Very Jorelio Gomez-esque um, for Michelle Vorm on the day. That, that um, is a shout, that, to be fair. <laughs> That's a good yeah. shout. <laughs> but I, I don't really... I, I'm, it's, I find a hard time blaming um, them on the whole. There, there were plenty of mistakes. I mean, we had crucial mistakes from Toby, which is something that's very rare to see. Um, and you, you could say that it was because they were unprotected, that Dyer wasn't shielding them well, that mm. he didn't have, um, in particular, Trippier on his right. And Trippier did get burned by Mane um, for that second one. Um, but on, on the whole, I don't really blame them. I, I just think it was more of, of a, uh, it was a bad day and 
yes, there could have been extenuating circumstances, but now for like the seventh time during this one blurb, I'm going to say I don't really blame anyone. <laughs> well, that's fair, dude. But uh, you mentioned um, Toby and Vertonghen struggle struggle to deal with it. Do you, is that a, is that a long term worry? I know both of them are getting on a no. bit of age, but what do you think is just enough to? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm just not too worried about it. I think if you get Wanyama in there, um, mm. it'll be less of an issue. And, and if there's anybody's problem, if, if anybody is at fault for what happened, it's that Serge Aurier hasn't developed yet. Because if we had had his pace and strength on the right, I think it would have been a little bit different, at least on that side, because uh, for when Rose was on Salah, I think he actually contained him fairly well. Like we were saying, the issue is when both of them got on, on the center back. Mm. But um, uh, that that could have altered things a little bit. But yeah, on the whole, just just frustrating. Not too worried long-term. Still very confident this is one of the best defensive units in the league. Fair enough. And um, Stephen, coming to you about our fullbacks, um, not the most eye-catching of days for both of them. I mean, we've seen Robbo light up the first few weeks with, with assists and stuff like that, and and at least Trent stopped getting yellow cards. <laughs> but um, what, what what do you make of our two young fullbacks? Because people are saying that we're going to have them for the next seven to ten years, and well, I, I kind of agree with him. I think Trent's got the got the potential to be the best right back in the world myself. But um, what 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 did you make of him yesterday? I mean, I think Trent's going to be the next Philip Lahm. He'll be playing until he's thirty six or something daft. Um, I, I think they were both they were decent. There were a couple of times where I think Gomez got quite a position, mm. and Trent cuts into the box and puts the tackle in and wins the ball and puts the block in. I don't think they did anything particularly spectacular. They got up and down the pitch. Robbo was quiet, but still got deliveries and he hit the crossbar from a shot come across. I think he just... I think that's smashed. what you call a hit and hope, that one. <laughs> yeah, he just smashed it to see what would happen. Um, I think they were fine. I think, again, because of Spurs' game plan was to come through the middle of the pitch, they were kind of made redundant. And if you watched a lot of our breaks, they were coming from the midfield three, we were picking up the ball almost ahead of them and getting the ball into the front three again ahead of them. So the game was just played in front of them today. They didn't have time for the overlaps. We had 40% of the possession. It was just a different game. Mm. They did they did their jobs. As I said, a couple of times Trent came in and made some big tackles around the box. Robbo didn't do anything particularly wrong. Um, I know there was the Lucas Mora one where sort of Gomez and Trent do get a bit tangled up but that's going to happen with a 19 and 21 year old defender and he you know we've got a great great goalkeeper and he hit hit the post anyway so I don't think I think they were fine I think they may have even had their mind on Tuesday that's going to be a massive game for those three if you bring in Gomez too and you know Gomez did fine for his 10 minute cameo just shored things up a bit on the right we didn't really do anything he just mm on the ball a couple of times. Yeah, I think the fullbacks were fine. Nothing to get excited about, nothing to worry about. Yeah, and I think sometimes that's just what you want from, from the fullbacks. Um, but we'll, we'll move on uh, from the fullbacks, and we'll come to the first goal. And Stephen, I'll stick with you. Um, from our point of view, we, sc- we scored off a corner. Um, I, I, know, I know it's normally, you look at Van Dijk, uh, or Lovren in, in previous seasons and other people and as we mentioned earlier Ginny finally scores an away Premier League goal I mean what 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 did you make of the goal from our perspective I mean two goals from corners two games on our own brilliant 
I think tactically it was perfect. If you Weird, watch, isn't it? <laughs> but if you watch it, you know, Van Dyke's, there's someone's obviously picked up that Vaughn isn't going to enjoy having the six foot seven Adonis in front of him. And he's made a nuisance of himself without having to do too much. And Vaughn's had to try and get over the Spurs defender, I can't remember who it was, and Van Dyke. So the, it's, it's a loose punch. But you can't blame the keeper for that. He was targeted by one of the best centre-backs in the league and it worked. And, you know, Dyer had an awful game and that header clear wasn't great and, you know, Ginny said himself post-match, he's pretty good at heading the ball and he proved it. He, he had to put all the pace on that. He puts it in, you know, right at the top of the roof of the net. It's an absolutely brilliant header and it just showed that Wijnaldum does have the patience. You know, he didn't lash at anything stupid, he just got up put the ball in the net and it was just really good to see another goal from another corner and it's something that looks like it was thought out and a targeted mm. approach it wasn't a bit of luck it was we've put the ball in the front post at the goalkeeper at our biggest player and it's fallen to a player who's not even marked so someone's obviously thought let's put a player out here coming onto the ball because there was no one anywhere near Wijnaldum so very yeah much- true yeah. Mm-hmm. so it I I enjoyed that from the perspective that it looked like it was a thought-out goal. It wasn't just a bit of a goal goal off scramble, which corners often are when we score. Yeah, I mean, what what did the England team call it? The love train, <laughs> whatever it was. We've seen a, we've seen a couple um, tactics from corners in recent time. But Kev, from a Spurs perspective, perspective, it just looked a big old mess before the corner and when mm-hmm. the corner was taken. I mean, was was it Ericsson who gave it away with a sloppy header, if I remember correctly? Yeah, so uh, I mentioned earlier Ericsson and Toby both being responsible for big mistakes. They were both responsible for these. Um, the fact that Ericsson headed it back to Mane and it ended up being the corner. The fact that um, Toby neither out aerial dual Van Dyke, which is a very hard thing to do, but the fact that he was both in Worm's way and didn't get the ball um, I think I, I, I agree uh, with Stephen here. I, Vorm, I'm not really blaming on this one. Mm. I think it's it's more Toby. Both, you know, if you blame the keeper for coming out early and not getting the ball, you blame the keeper. But he could have gotten there had it not been for Toby blocking off both of them, um, which I think is why the ball just kept going. Um, but do you think uh, Loris would have made a difference in that in that situation? Yes, I, I think he would have made a difference in both. But you can't say he wouldn't have come out. Yeah. I just think he would have gotten to the ball. Um, and the second one, you know, it literally goes through Vorm's hands. Yeah, we'll that, get to that, that, that later. was definitely a screw up. <laughs> right, but but that's what I'm saying is Vorm let two in that he maybe shouldn't have, but he saved a whole lot mm. of your one on ones where, yeah. you know, he, he, he Loris may not have. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact that that Erickson and um, Toby were were the two for me that were at fault there is really unfortunate. Uh, absolute credit to Winyaldum, a player that I've liked for a long time. Um, but that that the uh, trajectory of the header was perfect. I mean, it lobbed right over Trippier. Vorm couldn't get back in time after already coming off his line a little bit uh, for that first attempt. Um, so full, full credit to him, but it was disappointing to see a goal come from uh, two of our best players making errors. And worth a note that Watford's two goals last week also came from set pieces. Mm. So all of a sudden, uh, you know, we don't have traditionally big center backs. We have ball playing center backs in Toby and Jan, and it's really come back to hurt us the last couple of weeks. And I'm not sure if you noticed this, Kevin or Stephen. Um, I was watching Goals on Sunday, which is a British show. It's like the Sky version of Match of the Day. And they showed mm-hmm. Eric Dyer man-marking Kieran Trippier. It, 
he literally had hold of him for some reason. I had no idea. I was just, oh, I, it just kind of highlighted what a poor game Eric Dyer had for me. But uh, yeah. what, what, what do you think the answer is to the, to the set piece thing? Do, do, do you just think it's a, a height issue or do you just think it's a, a luck issue? Because I know corners really are, but Watford and then Liverpool's probably two of the bigger teams in the league. I suppose. What do, you, yeah. what, what do you think the issue is? Well, in theory, it shouldn't be height because while our center backs aren't that big, a lot of our players are. I mean, uh, Deli Ali obviously not playing, but he's around six foot. You have Kane that's around that same size as well. Dyer is the same size as both uh, Toby and Yan height wise. So it's a whole bunch of people that are like in that six two, six three range. We don't have that like big imposing six five West Bromian player uh, in there to clear things up. Um, but it it is a little concerning because. If if we were all jumping for the ball and just missing it, that would be I, I described that to luck, like you said. Um, but a lot of our players aren't getting off the ground to challenge them. Like Vertonghen in particular, I'm thinking of last week against Dini. He just didn't jump um, to even contest. Well, so I, I don't I don't really know what the goal is there. But this is, is something I'm concerned about. I mean, what was Oliveira doing for the goal? He was between the keeper and Van Dijk, but he's not particularly putting up Van Dijk. He's not in the air. He's just in the way. Right. And, he, and he's a world-class centre-half. He just got almost stuck in no man's land. You don't expect to see that from him, do you? I just think he switched off momentarily yeah. at the wrong time. And that's going to hurt you. You know, we're used to Lauren switching, switching off you know, <laughs> multiple times a game. Don't, don't remind us about the set pieces from the start of last season. Good God. But, <laughs> but you're not used to watching Vatonga nor Aldevaro switch off. And I think that's all that happened there is he didn't... Yeah. I don't think he thought about what he was doing. Yeah, that absolutely could be the case. And if these are just uh, memory lapses, you'd, you'd hope that uh, Potch would sort that out sooner rather than later. But uh, it's three times now. It's officially a trend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so ho- hopefully it gets better for you. Um, but promising from a Liverpool point of view that we, we seem to have been ad- adding another we- weapon to our arsenal in terms of set pieces. But that, that's um, what I wanted to cover for the first half, and we'll move on to the second half now. And I'll, I'll stick with you, Kev, because this is when a slight switch in the match, or a, a patch in the match, I know we scored um, early-ish, but the first 10 minutes or so, uh, this is where we saw Lucas Moura isolate Joe Gomez. I mean, mm-hmm. what what... Do you think anything changed at half half time, or do you think they just got a bit of a let's say bollocking and they try to step up? Do you, do you think anything changed? Well, yes. First of all, they absolutely got uh, bollocking up, as you say. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the tactical shift was that Dyer basically formally moved into the back line, and then Dembele was doing uh, what we like to joke as a single pivot. Um, which is exactly what we did when we lost to Watford last week. He's not very good in that role. Mm. But what that allowed was, you mentioned Erickson earlier, who I thought actually really wasn't that great for the majority of that match. But in these 10 minutes, he really started dictating play. And as you say, and I think that was because he was allowed to push further forward, and as you say, Lucas was just causing all kinds of problems for Gomez. And you should not feel bad about that. Lucas, as a player type, is somebody that nobody wants to play against because he's so like nippy. And he just gets around so quickly and gets on people's backs and, you know, just puts like a, a forearm into the back of anybody that has the ball. He, he's just a pest to really deal with. Um, so, uh, Lucas obviously has, has been fantastic for us in the start of the season. This is why we bought him. We are finally seeing the PSG version of him, um, from a couple of years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a bright start to the second half for sure, but, Obviously, we kind of lost control again because we never really 
took control of the midfield, which was so crazy considering at one point we had four central midfielders on the pitch. Yeah, um, just just go back into go back to Lucas. Do you do you think he should have scored the one where he hit the hit the post? Do you think he may have been a bit too clever with it, or do you just think it was just a bit unlucky because it was a great run? Yeah, you know, just five degree of angle change on your foot can can turn that from a brilliant goal into skewing off the post the way it did. I don't blame him for taking the shot. I don't know if you're Lucas, who else you'd be trusting more than yourself right now, given his <laughs> recent record for us. Um, so yeah, I, I don't begrudge him. I just, I just think it was a slight mess hit, but I, I thought it was a decent idea. Yeah, uh, he proper bamboozled uh, Allison as well. He had no idea where the ball was going. Yeah. Um, to be fair, but um, Stephen, from our point of view, on, on the other half of that duel, we had Gomez uh, struggle for let's say fifteen, twenty minutes. But two things: how do you think he did whilst he was struggling, and then afterwards, how do you think he recovered? Because well, let's bring up the painful memories of last season. We saw a very experienced centre back in in Dejan Lovren do something similar, obviously not as cost-worthy this time, but then he just imploded. And we've got a 20-year-old kid who didn't implode. So how, how do you how do you think he did it in both instances, let's say? I think the big thing is he kept his head up. When when he lose, loses Lucas, Trent obviously comes across and tries to get in the way, and Gomez starts chasing him back, but then you see he kind of pulls up because he doesn't want to clip him and bring him down in the box. So he looks like he's thinking, and he's you know he's, he's made a mistake, he's realised it, but it hasn't particularly affected him um i think he was i think he had an absolutely brilliant game okay he had a 15 minute spell against the player who was probably spurs best player you know you knew lucas was on the pitch was player I of the month for the premier league as well actually. yeah i forgot i forgot harry kane was playing until the 67th minute when he tried some weird flick um i thought i thought lucas was brilliant and i think for as you said the 21 year old kid who's who's switched back to center half after a season at right back who is playing against a player who's played at PSG. He's been linked to top clubs for years and years. You know, Fergie wanted to sign him back when he was a teenager. You know, this is a phenomenal talent and a talent that any club in the Premier League would love to have. So to have a 15-minute bad spell and not concede a goal against a player like that is a good sign. If you can mm-hmm. not be brilliant and not concede a goal. And then I thought as the game progressed, he was brilliant. I mean, there's the the gif isn't there on Twitter at the moment of the absolute crunching tackle he puts in on Morris, mm. Morris going down the left wing. Doesn't mess around at all, does he? This is a guy who's snapped his ACL and he's twisting his body to win that ball. It was absolutely brilliant. I just think he needs to keep playing week in, week out. We can't decide that Matty Paul ever in a fit and they need to go. Until he makes an absolute massive blunder or picks up an injury, the boy's got to play at least once a week alongside Van Dyke for the rest of the season. I think he's deserved it. I think he's been imperious. You know, from January onwards, if you saw a big header clearance, you knew it was Van Dijk. This time you have to you have to double check. Was it Van Dijk? I oh, know it's actually Gomez. And mm. We all thought we all thought Gomez was poor in the air because people yeah, were getting yeah. behind him. But at centre half, he's making those clearances. He's he's as the game progressed in the second half, and we started to get a bit of a hold back into the game towards what the second half of the second half. He was coming out of defence, you know, trying to play passes. There was a point where he got past the half run with the ball at his feet. You know, he's his confidence is is up. His ability is there. I think he's an absolute phenomenal piece player, which is why my last article was about him. And good on him, you know. It's really good to see a player struggle and come out on top mm. and not do a not do a low run. You know, even Sergio Ramos, who people think is one of the best players in the world. 
can lose his head in a game over something like that. And when he does it, he implodes as big as anybody. So for a 21-year-old to keep a cool, calm, level head, I was really impressed with him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned playing one a week. Do you think he does it? I know this will probably be out um, just before the PSG game, but uh, do you think he should keep his place for PSG, considering the, the front line they have? I'd like to see him play as many games as possible. But, you know, he doubled his minutes that he'd ever played in a season last year. I think there has to be a point where there's any, you know, he's had big injuries. I think there has to be a point where his minutes will need to be managed slightly. The way that Trent is coming off in games, we're bringing on Matip in the last couple of games. There's going to be a point where we're going to have to let him sit out a couple of games. But hopefully that's Chelsea in the Carabao Cup and it's not PSG because I think he deserves it. Yeah, got but Southampton as well. Yeah, yeah, but I think as the season goes on, I think we'll see when there's big Champions League games is that he will drop out against your Southamptons and your Bournemouths, and he'll drop out in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. I don't want to see him play the domestic cups unless we're getting, you know, towards the semi-finals onwards. So I think I think this is a really big season for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he if he continues on this trend, I mean, good God, we're we're going to have one of the best, if not the best, uh, partnership in the Premier League. Um, but, well, <laughs> Tottenham, on the other hand, might have the actual best in the Premier League. Um, but uh, we, we'll even Dave th- Hendricks happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I'll stick with you for the for the second goal, then, Stephen. Um, obviously, Firmino gets it and. Uh, this joke's been made on a couple of pods, and I'm I'm definitely going to copy it. The only disappointing from, thing for me is it wasn't a no look goal again. I don't care. He scored two goals in a, two games in a row. I'll just keep putting the ball in the back of net, Bobby. I don't care how it goes in. <laughs> if it's if, if it's off your backside or if it's Heskies off your face, just keep putting the ball in the back of the net. And he does it with a smile. Like it was it was almost a surprise to the fact that the ball had dropped to him. An inch on goal. Um, so I just, I thought it was brilliant. I, I, it was well deserved he got the goal. I think it was more important that he got it and not someone like Salah right now. And mm. um, I think his overall performance deserved it. He was harassing the Spurs defence left, right, and centre. He was, he was, I mean, he, he almost left Dyer alone because was, there was no point targeting him and was all, and was all over Dembele until he went off. Just, Do you think that was definitely his best game since the World Cup? Yeah, definitely. He looks he looks sharper. He's playing with a smile on his face, which we know Bobby does most of the time. And he decided not to try any silly no-look shots because he's not, he hasn't scored yet. So I really enjoyed his game. I think he deserved the goal. Um, I just I really enjoy it when strikers tap it in from an inch out as much as I do when they smash it from 40 yards. It's just something really satisfying about them being exactly where they should be. You you must and love that, that Dirk out hat trick from the man, that Man United hat trick where it was like two yards. <laughs> as I said, Dirk out was a legend. Purely, you know, even just for that game alone. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I think I think I think Bobby had a great game. I think the goal was a bit of a you know mess. I mean, God knows what Vaughan's doing. Or I mean, again, I can't remember which centre half he gets tangled up. I think with, it was Vatonga. But the ball's all over the place. I mean, if it is Vatonga, yeah. that's 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 one mistake from Alderweireld, one for Vatonga, and two goals mm-hmm. for us. And it's really good to see us capitalising because two seasons ago, defenders have a poor game and we do nothing about it. 
Bobby harassed the hell out of them, and it mm. was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and Kev, I've got a couple of questions. Obviously, I'll come to you um, to the goal as well in a sec. But um, we just mentioned that Flamino's finally recovered from from the World Cup. I know Spurs. You literally had every player in like the World Cup semi-finals. I mean, you obviously mm-hmm. don't have the privilege of, of rotating and uh, and resting players. But is there? I know it's not the best game to ask this, but is there been any signs of people recovering from the World Cup hangover, or do you think it's still a few weeks away? Yeah, pretty exclusively, Deli Ali looks like he's recovered from the World Cup. And my theory is it's because he didn't play well much. Um, so maybe he was just he, taking a vacation then, figured he'd start the season well, um, but obviously missed this one. Uh, but for the most part, everybody's dragging. And the the most concerning one isn't actually Harry Kane. I think that's more of a tactical thing because he's being forced to play similarly to how he did at the World Cup, mm. where it was Sterling that was in times at times playing in front of him which really kind of messes with him. And we're doing the same thing right now, which is why Lucas is shining, but Kane is kind of struggling. Um, you can put that up to, to fitness if you want. Um, but I think there's a hesitancy throughout the squad that comes from all these tactical changes um, where people aren't sure where they're supposed to be. They aren't sure where other people are supposed to be. And I think that just has a baked-in hesitancy that comes with it um, because you're just not as sure of what you're doing. Um, so the most concerning one for me is Christian Eriksen. Um, because he had to carry Denmark again, did a very good job of it. He goes on a one-game international break because Denmark couldn't agree to play their first match. Um, before he goes and plays the second one, scores two goals um, to help them beat Wales and just humiliate Gitto, who's a guest on our show all the time, and I feel very bad for because Ericsson always picks on Swansea and Wales. Um, but Ericsson really, really needs to get going. Jan has been okay. Toby's first match back uh, was fantastic. Um, Rose obviously wasn't starting regularly at the World Cup. He's looked, he's looked pretty decent when he's been playing for us. But there, there is still a fatigue throughout the squad. And, uh, the Pochettino, Kane, Son, all these players are coming out and saying, you know, we're not going to blame fatigue. Uh, when Pochettino's question on his usage of Harry Kane, he said, we've been here with him for four or five years. We know how to use him. We aren't worried about that. And it kind of feels like we're, we're protesting too much. Like, we know that's the issue, but we don't want opponents to know that's the issue, even though it's blatantly the issue. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think fatigue is definitely a big part of it, and the reactions are just a little bit slow. Well, I, I, before we got the goal, I mean, Son's now back, and obviously he'll be massively mm-hmm. relieved he doesn't have uh, military service. Do you think yeah. there's a chance to rest and rotate Kane a bit more now? I know the Champions League coming up as well, so there'll be more games as well. Yeah, um, we've literally never played Sun up front when Kane was fit. Oh, he plays up there when <laughs> Kane isn't fit, but not when Kane's fit. We don't rotate him for anything, which, you know, is probably part of this issue. Um, do I think it would be interesting, especially against Inter, if maybe we threw Sun and Lucas up front together? I mean, you want to talk about how annoying Lucas is on a back line, put the two of them up there, and mm. it would just be a nightmare. I think tactically that might struggle a little bit because we really need that kind of uh, hold up play that Kane provides and neither of them would have that. They'd just constantly be launching forward and maybe it would work a couple times and maybe it wouldn't. Um, but it would be an interesting thing. I just don't think we're going to see it. Um, I, I think we're just going to have to keep rolling with Kane. But having Sun back is just such a huge boost um, both play style wise and uh, motivationally because he's one of the cheeriest people in the dressing room. Um, so I, I think he naturally can help provide uh, people from getting too down uh, as a team, and then like, and then from the business side, um, the fact that he doesn't have to do um, military service or civic service protects his value so much. I mean, in, in the summer, I was talking with Dave, and he was asking if if um, an offer came in for Sun 
more than 30 or 35 million, would we have sold him? And I thought, I thought yes, because protecting at least a portion of that value versus losing all of it if he missed two years of his prime would have been hugely damaging. Um, but the fact that we don't have to worry about that anymore, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. I mean, imagine having to play with those kind of, of stakes on your shoulders. Um, I, I think he'll be a hugely, um, encouraged by all of that and, and play very well when he's back in fit. Uh, and as you say, as a backup to Kane, he's definitely our best option over Lorente and Jansen, who we didn't even give a squad number to. Um, <laughs> God. but yeah, it's, it's very rude. Um, but uh, I don't think Sun will be replacing Kane anytime soon, but having him back, Utah. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I thought it was just quite interesting. Maybe just let him go mental a bit. But uh, I'll, I'll stick with you for, for your uh, your view on the goal then, Kev. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, again, it was very messy. I know Trippier just lets Mane run off the back of him and then the Tongan and Vaughan, whether it's just a lack of communication or or whatever, it just seemed to be a mess on on all points of view. I mean, what were, you, what were your thoughts? My first thoughts were, you both speak English and Dutch. Pick a language and use it. <laughs> um, very, it. It was just a mess. And you could see that Vertonghen's idea was he was trying to clear it behind, but if I'm remembering right, didn't he kick it off the post? Yeah, And that's how it bounced. Yeah, so then he kicks it off the post, it bounces back, past Vorm, who does his best impression of a basketball hoop with his arms and just watches it go through for two points. Um, it, it was just a comedy of errors at the back. Uh, Trippier getting beat by Mane is not breaking news, really. Um, Trippier can only deal with pace by positioning, and as we mentioned in, in the beginning, he was told to play further up. So him getting torched by Mane when he was a little further up the pitch is neither shocking nor a quote-unquote mistake. It was just a risk that we were willing to take and then backfired on us um but yeah the the Vertonghen thing uh, on a different day he clears that behind on a worse different day it just goes directly into the back of the net and we don't have to blame him for any of it um but unfortunately both things happened uh, this 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 is the clear one for me that Lloris would have done far better on because there clearly would be no communication issue Hugo yeah. would have just charged it and maybe he would have gotten kicked in the face for his troubles but but Hugo smothers that the first time it doesn't even make it back to the weird open arms thing um, which he also probably could have stopped in a vacuum. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a comedy of errors. Like I've said multiple times, these two goals felt fairly, uh, goofy and undeserved, but you had plenty of opportunities that should have been goals anyway, which is why I don't think any Tottenham fan would argue the result. Oh, maybe we'll get to an argument, argue, uh, point of <laughs> argument later on. <laughs> uh, but we'll come to that. We'll finish on that. Um, just quickly, uh, I know we're, ne- we're nearly towards the hour now. Um, I thought Eric Lamella came on and added something. Do you think now that he's back fit, he he can help rotate with Ericsson and everyone who's um, uh, still fatigued a bit? Do you think he adds something to the squad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The fact that he offers both creativity and width is so important for us. The one disappointing thing um, about Lucas is we bought him to stay out wide on the touchline to open up opposing defences. And now he's just like, but what if I was a center forward instead? You're like, oh, all right. I mean, do you, I guess. Um, but the fact that Lamella has that creativity and he can play out wide and he can stick out wide, which, by the way, you'll notice uh, when we get to it, his goal was because he stayed out wide. Much like in the first goal where the mm. ball passed everybody when it got to Genie, Lamella was just at the back post just waiting for it. He was so far wide that nobody could get to him in time, even though he looped the ball up with a horrible first touch for a while. Um, I think Sturge was the closest player to him when he struck that. But the width and creativity he provides are brilliant. 
Um, I think the reason he didn't start in this one was he is just back from injury, and Pochettino has a weird fetish for playing people against teams from leagues they used to play in, mm. which I think guarantees him to start against Inter. Um, so I think that was always the idea there. But the impact he had when he came on was fantastic. It was more than Sun, although we can talk about that again, as you say, in a little bit. Um, but no, Lamella was absolutely fantastic. And if Erickson is struggling as much as he is, I think there is an argument that could be made that our best lineup right now would be without Erickson and would be with Lucas Kane and Sun as a three with Lamella maybe just behind them or at the tip of his own three. Uh, in like a 4-3-3 and have him be more central creatively and then have Lucas and Son with the pace on the wings. Uh, Just an idea, but uh, yeah, no, Lamella was hugely important in A, us getting anywhere near back into this match, Um, and he should be very important for us now that he's finally back in fit. Good finish as well. Yeah, brilliant finish. Oh, aye, absolutely. absolutely. Well, we might, as well, we might as well do the goal now, and I'll, I'll move on to the uh, to the last Liverpool point in a bit. But, Stephen, from our point of view, a bit sloppy, but obviously a corner that I think Gomez misses, misses the header or doesn't get the contact he wants, and then Sturridge is left with two people at the back post. It's, I think it's just one of them goals. You can't really blame anyone too much for it, is it? Yeah, I think this is like the antithesis of our goal. I think this is a typical corner... <laughs> The balls come in and things happen as opposed to they aimed to hit Lamella at the back post. Um, as he said, Gomez hasn't been brilliant in clearing the ball. He's also moved to right back at that point in the game and has had a pretty busy 90, what, two, three minutes by then. And it, it's just one of those goals from a corner that if Degsy was playing, that have probably scored at the front post. So, <laughs> um, oh, dear. I don't know. It's, it's, it's the kind of goal that when you win a game, you don't really care about. If we mm. drawn or lost the game, it'd have been annoying because, as you said, it was a it was a bit sloppy. It was the kind of thing that we do do on the clock where we get into the 90th minute and the players early season their brains do switch off a bit because of the pace of the game they've played. I think. Um, I don't think there's anything massive to worry about. Just maybe don't try and get storage to mark two people next time. I'll we'll be fine. Yeah, that's probably the that's probably the the thing to get out of that. Don't have storage two v one. Um, but Kev, from your point of view, there's not really much to say other than it's just one of them corner goals, isn't it? Yeah, it was just a, a little fluke. Like I said, uh, Lamilla did a good job of, of staying where he was instead of crashing to the ball. And it obviously ended up falling to him. And like we said, just a brilliant finish into the side netting. Um, and at that time, he was probably the only player we would have been confident in finishing just just because of the player he, he brought when he came on. So, yeah, very, very pleased with the goal. Um, even when it was scored, I wasn't really confident that we had much time for a second. Uh, but there were some weird events that transpired towards the death of this match. But we'll get to that in a second. Just just, just one more topic before we get to Foreshadowing. Just one more topic. Um, but Stephen... Um, Last couple points from a Liverpool point of view. Um, the the front three, or let's say two of the front three in this game, shall we say, the, the decision making just seems to be a bit off at the minute. And I, I know we we played well, and, and obviously I can't complain because we've won every game. But do you think how how long do you think it'll take for the front three to click into the top gear? Because they do there seem to be a bit out of sync at the minute. I think Mane has started the season really well. I think Bobby's starting to 
today he really showed, also yesterday he showed the player he is. I think just what you get with Mane sometimes is if he has three or four really good games with a bounce and he's scoring, he almost starts to believe his own hype. And then you get the game like today where he's shooting from 30 yards and he's not playing the pass when he should mm. be. Or, he's, or he spends that extra couple of seconds on the ball, which he doesn't normally do. And we always get a few of those a season. Um, you know, Dave Hendricks convinced that this is what he will do from the end of October till middle of February. But he does, he does have those games when he's been on form. So I wasn't too worried because Bobby played so well. I think the bigger concern is Mo. I mean, Salah was phenomenal last season. He has scored this year. He's, he's getting into all the right places, you know, picking up Dyer's wonderful through ball. Last season. <laughs> Last season he would have buried it. This season he's obviously not quite feeling it. Informed did a really good sort of old school Schmeichel esque came out, made himself really big, and somehow enticed Mo to shoot at his hands above his head. So yeah, you know, if he had shot it low, that would have been an easy goal. Yeah, and, and normally he does. You know, if you watch him, not that normally that's going in the bottom right corner. And I just think he's 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 getting himself into the right places. He's still working incredibly hard for the team. He's getting frustrated. He cut, how many times in the in the end of the second half did he take on three defenders, cut inside, and then yeah. Spurs filled the box and mm-hmm. they, either, they either got a block in or he just mishit the, the ball into Vorm's arms. Yeah, the amount of shots that like dribbled into Vorm in the late stages there was kind of crazy. The stuff that's happened with Egypt affected him. Um, obviously, the injury wasn't great. He just where he is on the pitch is perfect. What he's doing with the ball isn't quite there. Like he's showing enough that I'm, I'm not overly worried. Um, you know, size fatigue po- index pod this week is, he's pretty convinced that the, the team as a whole are going to hit their peak fitness soon. We know Mo's a machine anyway, but I think everything will click at once and he's, he's going to absolutely batter somebody. We've got Chelsea coming up in a couple of weeks. If he could pick that for the week to, you know, hit his first hat trick of the season, I'd be more than happy with how he's played today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And probably the sourest note from a Liverpool point of view, I think it is the Firmino eye injury. I think fortunately he's obviously been checked with the doctors and said there's no damage or anything. But when Vertonghen goes knuckle deep into someone's eye socket, it's a bit of a concern, isn't it? And that's, that's one of his freak ones, isn't it? He hasn't swung for him. He's just put his hand up. Mm. But Bob, Bobby's run into it. It's one of those things that's just happened. I mean, he's, It was he's, gross regardless. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like he was doing it on purpose, which certain other players may have done it was a concern when he went down, but it's come out since that he's going to be fine. It's nothing serious. I would imagine he'll start against PSG. And if he doesn't, it's not like Sturridge didn't score with his first touch of the season and isn't looking pretty sharp at the moment. So I'm not too worried in that regards. And with, with the amount of big games coming up for Bobby to, you know, maybe only get 30 minutes against PSG wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Mm. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. As you said, Sturridge is, Sturridge is a top quality backup, and even if not, we can always use Shakiri uh, as well. <clears throat> um, but the, probably the biggest talking point of the game, or was made the biggest talking point in the game because of the scoreline. Um, Kev, I'll come to you on this one first. Son 
goes down what I f- at first thought was a bit of a dive. He got taken out pretty cleanly by my, in my opinion. Now I've seen the replay from a certain angle. Um, yeah, do you, do you think that's a cog? That's an actual stonewall penalty. It's interesting that you bring up the angle where it looks like he doesn't make contact because there's another one where it clearly looks like he does. Yeah, which, yeah. not to bring up sore memories between our two fan bases, but it's very reminiscent of the penalty Lamella earned um, in the last one uh, between us, the two-two in whatever month it was, February maybe. Um, where one angle shows that it's not and one angle shows that it does. And then what do you do in that situation? Um, we always say on the EPL roundtable, uh, don't give your, uh, don't, don't put yourself in a situation where a referee can call the penalty. And he certainly did do that. He certainly put himself in a chance where, where the yeah. penalty could have been called. Um, it was not, there was contact made. I think the nature of the way that Sun fell made it unlikely that the penalty would be called. Um, which, uh, think is also to an extent somewhat fair because if he had really been hit on his standing leg i don't know if his standing leg would be the first one to go forward it, it was just a strange fall that i think is one of the reasons why this is like such a such a weird one but i think he did make contact in the box it could have been called a foul and it wasn't um and i think on the balance of play uh liverpool probably deserved to win but you know you guys also play in the premier league you know that with any different ref this could have been a different call it just wasn't on the day I don't think it's the ref's fault. I think I can't remember if it was match of the day this morning or something I saw last night. But there's a defender that's between the ref and Mane when he when he clips him. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just don't think he sees it. I, and and it's the plant leg, which isn't probably yeah. the one you'd be looking at anyway. So I think I don't think the ref can see it. I don't think the linesman can see it. It's a stonewall penalty, and uh, I think after Harry's. One missed, one scored against us. I think we deserved to get away with this one. <laughs> Different take, same result. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think I think that's probably the best way of putting it. It would have been. I think it is a stonewall penalty, but deserving. Why? I know football's a cruel, a cruel game at times, but I think performance-wise, Liverpool should have won that game pretty comfortably. But yeah, it probably was a penalty, mm. uh, and. From our point of view, Stephen, we've used up quite a bit of our luck in one season, considering <laughs> what happened last year. <laughs> it's uh, it's not it's not great. We've had an offside goal and a penalty that should have been a penalty not given. Um, also, yeah. traditionally, that would have been called because um, the penalty record between Tottenham and Liverpool per match is actually pretty ridiculous. I, I think God. I saw somebody say it's the fixture that's seen the most penalties over the last ten years. It's just lucky Mike Dean can't do Liverpool games. God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. But um, I think we, we've pretty much covered everything, so I'll come to plugs. Um, Kev, do you want to give out your Twitter and uh, where you where we can see your work and stuff? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kevroth. I also write about fantasy football for Goal and an exciting new place that I can talk about after this week. Um, but be sure to check me out over at Kevroff. Also, I host the EPL Roundtable, which you can find at EPL Roundtable. And on that same show, uh, on that same show's channel over on iTunes, you can also find the Fantasy Roundtable and the Championship Roundtable if you're interested in those things respectively. But yeah, uh, get in touch if you want or if you're upset about uh, Harry Kane a whole lot and want to yell at me, that's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> I, I listen to both shows and the bloody excellent, so I'd highly recommend them. Um, and and Stephen, do you want to give out your Twitter and anything you you're writing lately, or got anything planned? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's Stephen underscore B underscore A. Um, I'm not quite as uh, 
involved as people like you guys, but I do do like to join in the AI chats and anyone who wants to talk about Liverpool on there. Um, I haven't got an article coming out this week. Hopefully next week will be my next piece on AI, but I, I am writing a couple times a month at the moment, so do keep an eye out, and a lot of them have been about Joe Gomez so far, surprisingly. Good, good stuff. Oh, it's, always, it's always good to write about Joe Gomez. He's good. Honest. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, that's been that's been us today, and uh, thanks for joining me, you two, and thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week with the uh, Southampton game. I right, catch you in a bit. Let's get ready to rumble. Podcast Network.